should I be calling you Patrick Ryan? Uh, that's up to you. You know what? I'd leave that up to you. Um, everybody knows me as Dino, but uh, the only people that have called me Patrick in my life have been my teachers and my coaches when I played sports. Other than, And my, my first wife called me Patrick, but... Everyone else has called me Dino. So you can call me Patrick. You can call me Dino. I don't care what you call me as long as you're here every Wednesday night. I think this particular night. show, you're going to be Patrick. Okay. How do we do that? Well, let me see if you can make it through the entire hour. Whenever you say my name, if, if, if how many times you say Dino, <laughs> when, when you meant to say Patrick. So, all right. Good stuff. Here we go. Uh, emails for Jay, Ryan, radio show at gmail.com. Well, I said last week on the show, after the Stephen A. Smith uh you know, after he pulled his, his the, the bullshit that he did with debacle, the debacle, call it what it is, debacle. debacle. You know, uh, anyway, I said that not one sports columnist in this country would touch that with a ten foot pole because, well, they didn't want to because they didn't want to come under criticism themselves, and it was too hot, it was too polarizing of a subject for them to go after, and especially with the current climate and environment in this country, uh, you know, they'd be behind the eight ball if they thought about taking on Stephen A. Smith. Charles Barkley did say something, I said something on my show, and I said, if there's anyone who's going to write about this, it's going to be Jay. And then yesterday your story dropped, I read about half of it on the air during the show last night, and I want to commend you and applaud you for writing the piece that you did. You pulled no punches, you went after Stephen A. Smith, every one of your points was backed up with substance, logic, and common sense, so I applaud you, I mean, I'm certainly, enough, nobody on the, 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 what's that website, the, uh, uh, the, the new one that's out there that, that we talk about all the time. It's not relatively. The one I write for? No, no, not the one you write for, the other one that uh, is losing money. Oh, the athletic. The athletic. I, I didn't. That. Nobody's going to touch that. Nobody's going to touch that. But, but it, you, it's but you a did. sensitive topic. But hey, when a black commentator uh, uses the words "white privilege" and then botches the facts, uh, I have to write it. I have a responsibility as a sports columnist to do that. And if the other columnists, talk show hosts, don't address it, then they're scared, or they're scared of their bosses, or they're Bosses are scared. You know how it works in this industry. Do you know? I mean, I call out in the column Bob Iger, Jimmy Pataro, and Norby Williamson by name. Uh, Iger runs Disney, Pataro runs ESPN, and Norby Williamson created Stephen A. Smith. So, uh, you know, I, I've told you all along, I, I believe I'm blackballed in this business. Now multiply it by 10, because when you go after the heads of ESPN and Disney by name, they, they just write your name back on that list, which is fine with me. I don't care about lists. I get upset because I did, for eight years, a show on ESPN called Around the Horn. Had I ever once suggested on that show that a team hired a coach because he's black, they would have rightfully tossed me off the show, stopped the taping, never invited me back. Yet Stephen A. Smith, because we're in the times we're in, feels compelled and protected enough to actually say that Steve Nash was hired by the Nets because of white privilege. And to quote Stephen A., and I better be accurate here, and that's why I'm going to read you what he said, quote, Ladies and gentlemen, there's no way around this. This is white privilege. This does not happen for a black man. No experience whatsoever on any level as a coach, and you get the Brooklyn Nets job, end quote, Stephen A. Smith. So I did some research, and I wondered myself, wait a minute, I, I can recall certain African-American coaches getting shots out of nowhere, and sure enough, Dino, nine 
of the last 16 NBA head coaches hired with no previous coaching experience were indeed black, including Magic Johnson, 1994, Doc Rivers, 1999, Isaiah Thomas, 2000, Mark Jackson, 2011, Jason Kidd, 2013, Derek Fisher, 2014, Teron Liu, Cavaliers, 2016, had been a career assistant, and the Cavaliers fired a white head coach, David Blatt, brought in Liu, first time NBA head coach leads the Cavs to a championship. Point being, Patrick, not Dino, point being that for Stephen A. Smith not to do his homework here, right out of the chute, Steve Nash has an opportunity with a very talented team to follow Lou, Kerr, Nick Nurse, the last three uh, NBA coaches to win championships never had any head coaching experience in the league. So why is that so so unique to begin with? And then to call it white privilege and not understand that statistic I just read to you, to me is almost a fireable offense. You are just completely ignoring the facts and and you're just spewing off because we're in 2020 and you can do that without reprimand. Shame on ESPN. Not so much Stephen A. Shame on his bosses for not reprimanding him for violating what you what you learn about. I think in high school, much less you know first day of journalism school in college. Get your shit right or shut up. And I can't recall Dino anybody in in my industry ever being so flagrantly incorrect about the facts and being allowed just to carry on the next day with your opinions about this. What the hell is wrong with ESPN? They are swerved so far to the left, they're driving off the road, on the shoulder, on the gravel, when as I've told you a thousand times on here, if you're in the sports media, drive down the center of the road if you're ESPN. You're better off that way. I also wrote you know, this week that Clay Travis is too far on the other side. He's doing a quote-unquote sports talk show for Fox Sports Radio when he actually facilitated a phone call between Trump and uh, the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren about trying to uh, you know, restart up the Big Ten football season. I think that's wrong as well, Dino, because... It's not Clay Travis's role as a sports talk show host to uh, attach himself to the White House. He then becomes an operative for the White House. So ESPN is wrong with Stephen A. Fox Sports Radio is wrong to continue uh, employing Clay Travis. How about just, can you just stay down the middle of the road? Both of you entities, you're the biggest entities in sports broadcasting, and yet one is over here, and then one employs a, a talk show host who's over here. I'm, I'm just kind of getting sick of it. Well, let me say it. They, they've given him, uh, and when I say him, I'm talking about Stephen A. Smith. They've, ESPN has given him a long, lengthy leash to uh, uh, go forward with what I'll, I'll say it, black privilege. And it was his black privilege that allowed him to not only say what he said about Steve Nash and the Nets coaching uh, situation, but then to double down on it the next day on the very same show in response to Charles Barkley's comments 
where he did not name Smith by name, but it left no uh, question as to who he was talking about and how disappointed he was and how reckless and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, irresponsible Smith's comments were. But here's the thing that I said, Jay, and I think you hit upon this in the story and maybe some of the things you've already said here tonight. How can a guy whose expertise happens to be the NBA among any other sport, a guy who covered the NBA for years as a, as a sports writer, from what I understand. How can this guy go on the air and not realize, you talk about doing homework, knowing that if he's going to go and he's going to say the only reason the Nets hired uh, Steve Nash was because he was white. How can, and, and then he says, you, you know, nobody who, who gets this job does so without any experience. Not understanding and having in his recall immediately that if he goes and he says something like that, he's going to look utterly foolish because there are a litany of guys who got first-time jobs. In fact, the last three NBA championship coaches were all first-time head coaches, as you mentioned in your story. The, the the lack of accountability is one thing. The lack of not having the proper knowledge to go forward with these statements, realizing that they can be easily refuted. I mean, it's, it, it speaks to the simpleton brain that must be inside the head of Stephen A. Smith. Well, he's blinded, <clears throat> excuse me, blinded by anger. And I understand I, I, but I think Stephen A. has to be a professional first and foremost, and he's talking about another human being, Steve Nash, who, by the way, was a Hall of Fame basketball player. This, this kind of reminded me of the Lakers hiring Magic Johnson in 1994. They did it to make a splash. They brought in a great leader, a great point guard. That's what Nash was. He created cultures in, in Phoenix and other in Dallas. That's what Steve Nash was. He was a culture creator. It's a shame that Stephen A., who does know his basketball, is only looking at a white face there instead of looking at Nash, uh, who might end up becoming a, a consummate coach. Uh, I could see that. If, if you see why Steve Kerr has succeeded with the Warriors, Nash spent five years as a consultant with the Warriors and, oh, by the way, developed a great relationship with who? Kevin Durant, who obviously very influential when he signed with the Nets. The owner, Joe Tsai, and Sean Marks, the GM, obviously were going to allow Durant and Kyrie Irving, who also happens to be black, to have considerable say-so in what goes on. They went to Durant and said, what do you think here? Uh, maybe Durant went to them and said, why not Steve Nash? I've right. got a great relationship with him. Yeah. Stephen A. is so far off here, it's frightening. And again, the credibility of ESPN, they think they can do anything they want. No, not going to let them in this case. This is no small matter. This is a huge deal, and you're right. There are too many politically driven news operations in this country to ever allow something like this one way or the other. I saw Mark Stein in the New York Times gently brush this topic today, just gently. I guarantee you there are many media people with strong opinions about this like me. And I am blessed to be able to write for a website, Barrett Sports Media, that allows me to write this. There was reaction to it, but I think I wrote it in the sort of way, Dino, where hopefully common sense prevailed. You don't want to come off too angry in retorting Stephen A. here. Uh, it's not, I didn't write that, it wasn't a racially motivated column at all. Not That's at all. not no. who I am. No. It's, I'm about being accurate uh, for accuracy's sake and being fair 
to whoever you're writing about or talking about, and simply Stephen A. was not fair whatsoever to Steve Nash. This is not some schmo off the street. This is one of the bigger names in recent basketball history, right across the board, like Barkley said. Hey, look, if you know Steve Nash, this is a great hire. This is not about white privilege. I, Dino, I've seen some hires in the NBA that look a little strange. Uh, Tom Thibodeau back with the Knicks. Really? Third try, retread? Is that white privilege? Maybe. You know, could I have made for a case for Mark Jackson for the Knicks job? Absolutely. After all, he played there. He's from New York. Uh, that made me a little squeamish, the Knicks hire. This one did not because of the Durant connection, the Sean Marks connection, and the fact that Nash, brilliant point guard, whatever the hell color he happens to be. So I'm just disgusted that, that ESPN didn't call him out. They should have put out a statement, but they are so wrapped up in their own politics right now that they're blind to what their superstar did on the air, which is absolutely uh, heinous journalistically. Racialism as a whole, Jay, is consuming everything, including but not limited to the world of sports, and it's becoming so politically driven. We've talked about this on countless appearances that you've made here on the show. I get the sense instinctively just listening to you and then reading that story that you wrote. And by the way, if you want to read Jay's story, go to BarrettSportsMedia.com. You can see it there. I read about half of it on the on the air last night here on the show. But I get the sense that you're really starting to uh, become a little bit more than disgusted, as you say, with the, with, the, with the way that the racial polarization situation is just consuming sports. And every little decision that's made, everything that's done, every story that's written contains something that has to do with race. I'm tired of it. I've been disgusted with it for weeks and months, and I get the feeling you're starting to to, to get get that way yourself. Well, let's see what happens this weekend. Uh, You know, the NFL is here tomorrow night. We have this convergence of protests, COVID-19, and uh, Al and Chris on a Thursday night in Kansas City with 17,000 people in the stands. This is America in a nutshell in the year 2020. What's going to happen tomorrow night? Dino, I am waiting to see what happens before the game. Now, four years ago, Colin Kaepernick began his crusades. And it was not received well by the majority of the country. And eventually you saw the NFL just sort of sweep it away. And they had the networks uh, stop televising the protests before the game, the kneeling. Well, that that's not going to happen this year. There's too much at stake. Goodell and the owners are scared to death that there are going to be game boycotts. And that's why Goodell has his own slogans painted on the field tomorrow. And that's why you're going to see, I believe, <clears throat> that I, it, this could last. I, I'm not overstating this. Don't be shocked if this lasts 5, 10, 15 minutes before the game. And then I'm going to wait to see what the backlash is. And, and you know, we've got an election, uh, the, the most uh, apocalyptic election of our lives, certainly, maybe ever, uh, coming up. And it's all feeding into what's going to happen, A, on the sidelines before these NFL games, and B, what, what happens in regard to COVID-19 and whether there are outbreaks because of the, game, because of the nature of the game of football. You know, these guys so far, Dino, they haven't tackled other teams. They're barely tackling each other. It's been a very secretive bunch of training camps. Well, now you're going to have people actually in the stands. You know, how are they entering and exiting the stadium? Are they going to have masks 
son. You know what? what the players have rejected the shields for the most part. So I don't know. We're, we're you know we you and I have talked about this. We were on the air the very night of Rudy Gobert. So we have gone back to March the 11th on this, and here we are <clears throat> in the second week of September with the NFL season starting and. I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but because we have seen everything imaginable seemingly happen, it shouldn't shock anybody what might happen tomorrow night, this weekend, and the rest of the NFL season. Yeah, tomorrow night is going to be a big affair. They're going to they're going to they're going to you know pump it up, and they're going to show everything. And then the black, the allegedly, uh, we've been told there's a black national anthem, and that's going to play before the Star Spangled Banner and. Uh, players this year are going to be able to wear different names on the back of their helmet in terms of some of the people that have been killed and all that other stuff. And what's going to happen, Jay, is I think I, I said this uh, this week. I said the, the ratings this year are going to plummet, just like they did a couple of years ago on consecutive years with the Kaepernick and the black player protest movement that went on for two consecutive years, led, of course, by Kaepernick. I think the first weekend, the ratings will be more than respectable, but I would anticipate that the the ratings from there on after are going to plummet and the same problems uh, television ratings wise that the NBA is having that Major League Baseball is having the NFL is going to have it as well now there is more of a uh, and, and maybe you can speak on this Jay there is a thirst for football in this country more so than there is for any of the other four major uh, sports leagues so I think they're going to get an appreciable amount of people that are going to watch but believe me you uh, the National Football League just a few short years ago was identified as one of and, and Roselle is spinning in his grave over this one of the most divisive brands in America and that divisiveness is carrying forward again into the season after last season having nothing and the ratings came back no they're going to go down again this year but why do you think Jay why do you think America thirsts for football more so than any other sport I don't know there's a comfort level or, or something. I read a piece by Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated. He tries to figure it out. You know, I think it's because we've come off a summer. It's a ritual in this country. There's such community involved, not just on, on the, in the NFL level, but also college towns revolve around it. It, it. it survived any number of crises in the last decade, a concussion crisis, off the field, criminal issues, Kaepernick. And here it is. It's almost as if this continues to be the American way. Uh, baseball lost that. We've talked about that endlessly. The NBA won't ever have that because I believe of the racial composition of the league. The NFL, to me, continues to be Americana and probably not more than ever because there's a, there's a comfort in, say, Baton Rouge, Louisiana this weekend where they actually are going to have 26,000 people in the stands, and that's their way of saying, damn it, we beat this virus. Well, not really, because I think the LSU campus has something like 800 positive tests. Uh, Alabama has more than 1,000. College campuses are are (laughs) wreaking havoc here in, in regard to COVID, and it's hard for me to believe they're actually trying to play football through this, but... It's happening on the high school level. You know, out here in California, the state refuses to play high school sports until January. Probably the right call medically, given the number of cases we still have in the state. Yet all over the country, including Michigan, uh, you've got high school football going on. You have it in Utah. You have it all over the place. So that dichotomy continues. The, the, The divide of America uh, I think is defined very much by sports and and by football. But the NFL, you know, so much money at stake, $17 billion season this year. I wonder if they're going to be transparent 
when it comes to positive tests. Uh, I've already seen Lincoln Riley, the coach at Oklahoma, say we have no reason to let anybody know how many of our players or which particular players have tested positive because we don't want to give the other team an advantage. <laughs> Wait a minute. You've got to let people know if somebody has COVID-19, don't you? That's what I think we're headed into here. There is so much money involved with football and the TV networks that, that, that so many people in towns and <clears throat> are dependent on it that I think you're going to see a lot of lying involved regarding tests. I, I don't think we've seen anything yet when it, when it comes to sports, the virus, protests. I think it's all kind of about to explode in the coming weeks. Well, you know, I have a guy comes on my show every now and again. His name is John Ziegler, and he's a political and, and social pundit. And uh, he remarked in a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, he thought that, I mean, if you want to talk about tying sports into politics, politics into sports, Jay, he feels that much of Trump's reelection bid is in many ways connected to whether or not football not only plays but succeeds. And when you talk about the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and so on and so forth, Conference USA, all of those leagues are continuing to play. The Big 10 may come back. We don't know what the Pac-12 is shut down for the time being, so it remains to be seen what's going to happen there. But you can throw the NFL in there as well. And Ziegler said that if football gets up on its feet, plays, gives people a good feeling, especially down in areas where you know, college football specifically is big down in the southeastern portion of the country. Right. He feels that this is going to bode well for Trump because Trump, of course, is all let's play and, you know, let's 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 start to get on the field and Americans need this and they need it's America's pastime and so on and so forth. So he thinks that the more that football is played and it stands up on its own two feet, that this is going to bode well for Trump going into the election. Yeah, I, I wrote this the other day and I I agree because remember who got sports back up and running Trump was on a early summer weekend, I remember, he had a conference call with all the commissioners, all the big shots in professional sports and in college sports. And he said, I want all of you to play your games. And even some of these leagues that have uh, opposed Trump, such as the National Basketball Association, oh, thank you, Mr. President. You know, a lot of hypocrisy there, too. But they saw Trump open up those doors everybody thought might be locked, and everybody ran through them. And baseball has been a complete debacle, a mess in regard to COVID. But the NBA in a bubble has kept players healthy. The NHL and its igloos have kept players healthy. But now we have football here. If football, the sport that is not obviously socially distanced, a sport that has you know 50 players on a roster, uh, going into locker rooms before games, uh, halftime, after games. How is that going to work? And then they travel on top of it. If we're going to compare this to any of the sports that have been ongoing over the summer, it would be baseball, Dino, because there is no bubble for baseball, no bubble for the NFL. Both uh, sports are traveling. They're staying in other hotels. They're in other cities. And that's where I think you become vulnerable to excuse me, an outbreak. So, yeah, if, let's say football, as Roger Goodell continues to say, I think we're going to get through this season and have a Super Bowl and it's going to be a fine season. Say that happens. Say there aren't any reported, emphasis on reported, outbreaks. Say college football gets to a Final Four. Well, at that point, come November the 4th, if, if football 
is looking real good right now. Who brought football back? Trump. Now, I'm not saying the other side is going to agree with any of that thinking, but if there are people on the fence in regard to what's happening in America, yes, I believe that sports and football in particular have a chance to help Trump. Now, of course, if we have outbreaks all across sports, all hell breaks loose, protests just overwhelm everything, that's going to hurt Trump. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with the, the fellow you had on, on the program. That there's a lot riding uh, in regard to Trump-Biden on how sports handles the next uh, seven, eight weeks. Well, specifically related to the NFL, I am, I tell you, I've said this on the show, I am blown away. Uh, outdoor training camps over four weeks and uh, limited, rare exceptions uh, where players have been reported to have the virus uh it's it's mind-boggling to me it, it, it makes me wonder what you know how how is this possible uh with the players you know you get a lot of players in training camp and you would have thought that they'd be dropping like flies and so many would have been put on some covid restricted list and so on and so forth we haven't seen that now of course as you noted they're going against other teams now with the first weekend of play but i have been shocked jay that we have not seen uh, various teams across the league reporting so many players who have come down with the virus. It's, it, it's stunning Well, that's because they haven't been traveling, Dino. I mean, it, it didn't happen for baseball right away, but when teams started to travel, starting with the Marlins in Atlanta, you remember that? Well, that's when guys get reckless. Now, the good thing is with football, you're flying in the day before a game and you're out of there after the game. You're not there for an entire series like a baseball team. So that can help. But, you know, they've hardly, you've seen these hard knock shows, I don't know if you have, but I've told you about them. There's no real hitting here. Everybody is distance on the sideline. Everybody is distance in these meetings. It's everybody's got a mask on, and they're all being tested when they enter the facility. They're going to be tested when they enter stadiums as well. But when players get reckless on the road, who knows? What Goodell is saying is we are we have the money and the resources in this league to test everybody every day and to have rapid testing. But you and I talked about this, what, three, four weeks ago? You had a bunch of false positives, all hell broke loose one weekend. You know, are we going to go through that again? How does that impact uh, that weekend in the NFL? I, it'd be foolish right now to make any assumptions. We have no idea where this is going. It could go well, or it could become an absolute fiasco. And that's why, as a newsman, as a journalist, I'm fascinated by what's about to happen starting tomorrow night. 26 to the hour. It's a Mariotti Wednesday. Jay is with me. Comment, question, concern for Jay. Send it to me, ryanradioshow at gmail.com, ryanradioshow at gmail.com. Well, listen, we, we've had an NBA season unlike any other, NHL, same thing with baseball, and I would anticipate nothing less from the NFL. It's going to be a bizarre sort of a season in which it's nothing is going to feel the same or look the same. And But the thing I wonder about, Jay, is when we get into the playoffs and then eventually to the Super Bowl. Now, the Super Bowl this year is slated, If correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's in Tampa. And yeah. now Florida, if we're to believe the reports, is a hot spot for COVID-19. I mean, we could be looking at you know a Super Bowl that just you know, has nothing to do with any kind of Super Bowl that we've ever seen previous when we get down to the end of the season, if they get through the season, that is. Well, attrition is going to be the big word. And because we weren't watching training camps that closely, there were no exhibition games. You know, they, I'm sorry, Patrick. See, I got you right there. The uh, We had a bunch of injuries. Teams all over the league. And 
again, my inquisitive side wonders how much of that was COVID. Maybe none of it, maybe some of it, maybe a lot of it. Uh, injuries will be a significant issue early on because they have not been hitting. Normally teams have been you know, hitting and they've had preseason games for several weeks. Well, these two teams tomorrow night, this might be a very ugly game. If you're a gambler, gamblers beware. This is not going to be a shootout between Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring Patrick Mahomes it might, might break a record tomorrow night for touchdown passes in a game because I don't think Houston has that. They have a bad defense as it is. And, and I, 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 I'm not looking tomorrow for some great football game. I'm wondering how many players are going to be hurt. Uh, how many mysteriously aren't on the roster at the beginning of the game? It's it's completely different how we're we're looking at all of this. If anybody out there thinks, oh, it's back to normal, are you crazy? There is nothing that's going to be normal about any of this, except for probably Mahomes ruling the league once again because I think it's a a perfect season. The climate involved with so much uncertainty for a guy like this to dominate a year. Well, so what? Is anybody really really looking at that right now? But we're, we're looking at everything else here, starting with the protests uh, before the game. Reduced practice time, reduced uh, hitting uh, during that practice time, no preseason games. Uh, that's going to be something I'm going to keep my eyes on, and a lot of people, I think, are going to be wondering what the quality of play is going to be like on the field. And, of course, that starts uh, tomorrow night. Now, we've talked about football, the NBA, but we're, we're getting closer and closer to, we think, what is going to be some kind of a college basketball season this year, Jay. And uh, somebody's come up with the idea of a NCAA March Madness tournament that would number 346 teams, Jay. 346! <laughs> I, I would like college basketball to clean up its act before they start coming up with ideas like this. It's a, it's a, a league filled with uh, corruption and, and uh, sneaker wars under the table. This actually is the brain uh, uh, cramp, I guess I'll call it, of Mike Krzyzewski, yeah. who got together with the ACC coaches and figured that we'd better start with the tournament first. Whoa! I mean, I, 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 wait a minute. I mean, college basketball is supposed to start in about a, what, a month and a half, two months, and you're talking about March Madness? You know why they're doing this, Dino. They're trying to protect their big $1 billion nest egg with CBS called March Madness. So they're thinking again, to nobody's shock, about the money. Guys, wait, you're really going to have 346 teams. You're going to test, okay? Think about the money for testing for, you know, 100 teams that don't belong anywhere near a March tournament, and you're going to spend all this money in testing all these players so they can be bounced in the first round? That, that's just lunacy. That's just not smart to be spending that kind of money on something like that. These guys are not living in our world right now. These are guys with 11-bedroom, nine-and-a-half-bath mansions who have nothing better to do than figure out how we can recoup that money. How many times have I talked to you about recouping the money? So the NBA has done, the NHL has done, so Major League Baseball is trying to get to with the postseason, and now we have college basketball thinking, how can we put on this tournament? Let's invite everybody in so we can, you know, it's, you know, it's just, for me to even be thinking about next March is, is lunacy right now, and 
Shame on them for, for doing that. How about trying to figure out, can you do a conference season and a bubble? Might, might it be a good year to scrap college basketball because of the COVID cases on campuses? I don't want to hear these guys talking about how they can make money in the month of March when we're sitting here in September. Well, you know what's interesting is is we, we kind of lose sight of sports, Jay. Hear me out on this. We, we, we kind of lose sight of sports moving forward, right? And, and the reason I think about this is because, as you say, you know, they're, they're thinking about the March Madness tournament now, and it's obviously more than several months away. But all of these sports could be Jay. Let's 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 call it like it, we should. Sports could be in significant peril because although the NBA is playing right now, and the NHL is playing, and Major League Baseball is playing, and the NFL plans to go forward with you know more than three quarters of the league that are not going to have fans in the stands. Um, if we fast forward it to the following year, right? Now, the NBA and the NHL want to start their 2020-2021 seasons, we think, in the month of December, after they get done with the bubble system in Orlando and the igloo system up in Canada. But these are stopgap, desperate measures that these leagues have taken for the time being. When I say that sports could be in significant trouble, they can't obviously continue to sustain, Jay, under this current environment. So... Well, as, it's as, all about TV money. Uh, understood, you know. understood. But what I'm saying is, is they, in other words, what I'm saying, they can't do this again. They can't. They, they, well, they can't do it. The NBA no, cannot do it. About, the NBA is in, in trouble. I, I don't think the NFL is Dino or Patrick. I did it again. I'm going to stop this. But no, I think the 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 NFL could sustain big losses this year. They're fine this year. Uh, this uh, year, no matter what happens this season, all of those networks, including. Streaming operations are going to bid huge, bid huge money for the NFL rights deep into this decade. I have no concerns about the NFL for reasons I stated uh, about half an hour ago. Uh, the NBA is another story because, as, as I've told you, so much of their revenue pie is predicated on fans being in the arenas, uh, corporate suites, expensive season tickets. And Silver already, Dino, has said we're not... Patrick, is that we're going to do this in January, hopefully. He's already waved off December as a possibility. I don't think they're going to start on Christmas. He's looking at trying to get as many people in the arenas as possible. Well, that's the great unknown. We have no idea what kind of effect COVID will be having on this country in January, February. If the NBA, if the NBA keeps, keeps delaying its season to... February, March, April, well, you're not going to have a season. Then they're in big trouble. They cannot afford to lose a season. NHL can't afford to lose a season. College basketball, I agree. I think they're, they're in hot water right now. Uh, golf has surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, done well because it's a sport that socially distances, and they have uh, found a, Jay Monahan, their commissioner, has done a great job in keeping COVID out, and we have a U.S. Open coming up next week. Golf, no no worries there, Dino, about the future of golf. I yeah, mean, if Jay, anything, their ratings have been yeah. good. You have young new stars emerging. It's, it's We're moving on from Tiger and Phil, and when we've got six, seven, eight guys who can win a tournament any week. So golf's fine. Tennis, in a world of hurt as well. You've seen what's happened in the so-called bubble up there. You have Djokovic, the asshole of of, of the pandemic, if you ooh, ask me. Uh, and you, they're sending people home there because they're playing cards in the player's hotel and somebody got COVID, so they have to send everybody home. 
tennis, I'm not so sure. It's an international travel sport. So tennis, uh, I don't know about the future, but you're right. So many of these sports are hanging. They don't know what their future is. I think the NFL is the one sport that could yawn through all this and if, if they had to cancel a season, I think they'd be just fine. Well, the NFL can sustain the losses, as you say, with the gargantuan television money that they've got. But as related to the other three professional sports leagues in North America, they can't ask the NBA players to go back and do this again. Same thing with the NHL. And Major League Baseball cannot continue to sustain. I mean, so much of their revenue is derived through the gate and, and suite sales and parking and concessions and so on and so forth. So there's a great unknown out there. So for people thinking, well, we've got to get through this phase right now and then things go back to normal, that's not a guarantee. So that's why I say sports is really hanging in the balance here. Oh, no doubt about it. And you've seen them just be very bullish about the pandemic, sports does what it wants to do, and they've they've been bullish. They they, they just and here's the NFL being the most bullish. Uh, but take baseball. Let's talk about baseball. Uh, the, the story today in the LA Times. Apparently, they are going to have bubbles for the for the postseason. It's not finalized, but the America the National League playoffs will be in after the first round. The divisional round in the in the uh, championship series will be in Houston and the Texas Rangers' new stadium. So that bubble for the National League teams, four of them, will be in Texas. And then out here at Dodger Stadium, you'll have the American League final four teams. And then I think they're going to play this, again, not finalized, they're going to play the uh, uh, ALCS would be at Petco Park. So... They are going to bubbleize the playoffs. And then the World Series apparently would be at the Texas Rangers Stadium, mm-hmm. where apparently there's a hotel right next door yeah. where they can pull off this NBA-NHL bubble thing. Okay, say they get through all that. And I'm not convinced they will. I, you can't just shut down the Oakland A's for four days or the Marlins for two weeks or the Cardinals for three weeks. You can't do that if you have an outbreak in the playoffs. It's over. You have to eliminate that team. No more playoffs for that team. Then what? How can you then carry on with the postseason if if the L.A. Dodgers suddenly you know, have, have to uh, bow out because of COVID? Then it's not a legitimate championship season. And then next year, baseball, so much uncertainty because they're CBA uh, expires next year, right? And they they aren't even going to have free agency this winter. So right there, you are so absolutely correct. Major League Baseball <laughs> just trying to, to survive this pandemic when we have no idea what they're going to be facing next year. People are ready to wipe their hands of baseball. You sent me something the other night. Their ratings were up briefly, but now people have tuned out baseball. Nobody is watching it. And they're certainly not going to watch it in October when, when you've got NFL, college football, assuming all this stuff goes off, and then the NBA Finals. Nobody's going to be watching the baseball postseason. So we start the NFL season tomorrow, and you get behind the microphone. you got Al Michaels doing a play-by-play. Collinsworth is back, of course, to do the color commentary. Uh, Michaels just keeps on going. Do you got any thoughts on him? Well, I don't know if you saw this, but NBC snuck this in a release the other day. They're going to give Al three to five bye weeks. <laughs> that means no Al Michaels for three to five games starting week three in New Orleans. 
Those bye weeks mean bye-bye, Al. He's 75 years old, and Mike Tirico has been made promises. Yeah. All sorts of promises. By the way, we have a Boston Celtics Toronto Raptors near brawl on the court. This is not what the NBA needs. <laughs> uh, Toronto just won the game. Forces a seventh game. And you've got these two teams ready to kick ass. Nobody needs that. During a pandemic, you have Nick Nurse, the coach, uh, warning his players to get off the court. They want to rumble. I'm just giving you the play-by-play here. This yeah, no, this is good. the last development the NBA needs. When, when you when you are uh, honoring people and you care so much about Black Lives Matter and uh, you're, you're trying to prove a point about a, a biodome in Florida, you shouldn't be brawling. It was. It's Marcus Smart. He's always in the middle of something. Should have walked right off the court. Instead, he wants to rumble. Bad time for that, Marcus Smart. Anyway, what were we on earlier? Uh, you were talking about Al Michaels being shown the door. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm delirious. Al Michaels, um, they're going to force him out, Dino. And Al needs to see the writing on the wall. Uh, obviously, Al Michaels, a legend, uh, one of the great voices of all time in sports, but he's pushing 76. And I thought it was fascinating. They're, they're telling him, look, you're not going to do the entire season. It really didn't make any headlines. It should have. It broke in the New York Post. And Al Michaels is not going to be there week three in New Orleans. But you hear Mike Tirico with Chris Collinsworth. That's huge news. I mean, this is the man who came up with, uh, do you believe in miracles? Yes. They're forcing him out. And I think they want him to retire uh, next year and do a retirement tour. And then Tirico takes over. Now you're a big tennis fan, uh, and uh, the Djokovic thing. Uh, I heard you, you know, before you, you kind of slammed them a little bit. There, you, you, did you think they got that whole thing right the other day? Yeah, I think they got really? it right to kick him out. Really? But what? What? What's he doing? Why well, didn't I mean, he? Mean, he, he, he didn't mean it. He didn't mean here, it. Here, let me back up here. Go ahead. I don't understand why there were lines people there. What? What? Why don't you just, for, for the U.S. Open purposes, if you're trying to distance people and keep people safe, why do you have people on the court to begin with? That's the thing I initially disagreed with. Right. Okay? You just use your, your electronic lines system to call this U.S. Open. You shouldn't have people out there. However, this guy cannot be so whacked out because he's pissed off at something that he just arbitrarily smacks this tennis ball, not thinking there are people back there. Every tournament, major tournament this guy has played in, there are lines people back there. So if he's pissed off and in his own world and smacks a ball and it hits somebody in the throat and she falls down, yeah, you, you, don't, you don't see Federer doing that. You don't see Nadal doing that. You don't see any of the greats. John McEnroe never would have done that. That's just idiotic. It's a little scary wherever his mind is right now. And this is the guy, Dino Patrick, who earlier this summer in in Serbia threw a party without masks, and he and everybody else got COVID. So he's not right of mind, and I think what's so significant about that is, if you look at the numbers of major championships, this man is positioned, because he's only 32, to end up with the most titles all time, passing Federer and Nadal, yet... He he is such a bad rep right now, and yeah, I think I think they got it right. You had to kick him out of the tournament. You don't you don't. What tennis ball can hurt somebody? If that hits the the woman in the eye, she might not have an eye today. So no, I I absolutely think they got it right, and I'm 
I, I'm, I'm shocked that this guy who is so talented and has an opportunity to go down as the GOAT uh, is going to be remembered for these stunts he pulls. All right, back to the NFL and some uh, news from the television boys. According to uh, John Orand of uh, Sports Business Journal, Fox and only Fox are getting set to use virtual fans during the 2020 season. They're going to use uh, virtual fans for the Bears and the Lions game, and it says here that the network hopes to use the technology more extensively as the season unfolds. The Fox Sports executive producer, a guy by the name of Brad Zager, told uh, John Orand, quote, we didn't get any preseason games on the NFL to do everything that we wanted to do and uh, really look at it uh, before we rolled it out everywhere. We wanted to have one game where we could focus on and see what happens from from there, so uh, get ready for virtual fans at NFL games. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that they tried that with baseball, and, and some of the sections were empty, and some weren't. I mean, either do it all the way or don't do it at all. I, I I'm not in favor of anything that's hokey. I think you know that. Uh, I think football. We have a wonderful opportunity to mic everybody, but as we've talked before. You've got to be careful. Open mics have gotten a lot of people in trouble yeah. the last few months, yeah. and yeah. you have no idea what could be said in the heat of action in an NFL game. Now, why not a 7- to 10-second delay? I would love to hear the sounds of the game, the sounds of the sideline, and not a bunch of virtual fans. But if you're not going to install that technology, which would seemingly be very easy, a delay button. I mean, we've all had them in radio studios. I mean, that's what I'd be doing. I, I want to hear the action this year. I, I really don't want to look at virtual fans. Are you out there in California, Jay? Do you get a lot of the, you know, the. can you see a lot of the smoke from the fires and so on and so forth? If I were in San Francisco right now, it would be orange outside. Yeah. The pictures I'm seeing out of that city today were frightening. See, everybody thinks you know, California is rather large, as you know. <laughs> stretches from the Oregon border to the Mexican border. So where I am, no, I'm right by the water. I get this question a lot, by the way. I'm fortunately by the water. Now, a year ago, I could see the fires above Malibu up in there. You could see the smoke miles away. Fortunately, it doesn't impact me here. Uh, I think in terms of the apocalypse, if it is upon us, it's more evident in the Bay Area than it is in Los Angeles. So, no, it hasn't hit me, but the minute I say that, we'll have a big earthquake or something. Yeah, the reason I ask you that is because I was just looking at something online here. The the, the 49ers are are monitoring the air quality, you know, around their stadium out there in Santa Clara. So uh, that's something to... Well, that could impact their game, and I don't think anybody wants to go to a game with with an orange sky. Right. Evidently, the the, uh, air quality isn't as bad as the visual in that case, uh... Holy shit, Jay. I just. Every day you wake up and what the hell is going to happen today? I I just. That's where we're at now. You're right. It's fascinating. It gives us uh, subjects to talk about that we never dreamed of talking about seven, eight months ago. But uh, I guarantee you when we talk next Wednesday, we will be talking about mass protests. Some of them are going to be out of hand. Jerry Jones is going to be pissed off. That's the guy to watch, Dino. Jerry. Because he keeps flip flopping. He says the other day yeah. it's time to respect the players that they want. Then he comes out today and he says, I'm worried how our fans are going to react. Yeah. Well, which one is it? Yeah. You can't have it both ways. Right. He runs the league, Dino. So what? we'll be talking about Jerry, how they react. See, and he can wait a week. The first Cowboys game is out here in an empty stadium, beautiful stadium, $6 billion, empty. That's the other thing. 
this competitive imbalance. Kansas City, 17,000 fans. Los Angeles, zero fans. Goodell, oh, that's overblown. There's no competitive imbalance. Hey, what are you, why are they doing this? Either don't let people in the stands or let them in the stands everywhere. There are different, you know, state restrictions, of course, still. Competitively, no reason to have 17,000 people in Kansas City. It's dangerous. Well, I'll tell you, I was just going to mention, you mentioned San Francisco, and I just brought up a picture of, of the sky and above San Francisco. It's literally, not kidding around, no, not, no hyperbole, it, the, the skies in San Francisco are orange, man. I mean, they're orange. It's amazing. Now, Denver would love that, right? Yeah. Denver, yeah. Well, they'd like that, right? Um, Syracuse would love that. I'll tell you this. Uh, if, if we want to get away from the politics and the social bullshit and all that, the, the one thing that I am interested to see this year is, uh, starting very soon, obviously, is uh, the story with Brady and Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers. I, I think from both a, a an athletic standpoint and a human interest story, I think, and, and with that franchise never really tasting sustained success, the, the, the Buccaneers are going to be one of the more watched teams in the NFL this year. Three biggest stories in the league are Patrick Mahomes, uh, seems too good to be true, uh, engaged to his uh, college sweetheart, buys a piece of the Kansas City Royals, seems to be very humble, down to earth. This kind of the athlete we need in this country right now, hopefully no no scandals. That's what it seems like. It seems like Derek Jeter uh, all over again when he was young. That That's what it seems right now okay and it is the most dominant sport and he's the most dominant player in the league and if he's all he looks to be this is a wonderful icon people can lean on in these very strange times uh tom brady who is just about twice the age of patrick mahomes could be his father uh getting away from belichick and and trying to get it done with with the franchise that has often been a laughing stock not just Gronk, but they've loaded up on running backs. Now they have Leonard Fournette. I mean, it reminds me a little of New England South, you know. It's almost like Brady. Yeah, come on, let's bring in uh, LaShawn McCoy. Let's bring in Leonard Fournette. All these guys are angry and, and uh, malcontents. Let's bring them in here, and, and the Brady culture will lead them the right way. No doubt that offense uh, is, is going to put up points, and I, I'm sure Brady will have a great year. I have no doubt about that. I just wonder if he's going to get hurt. Uh, you know, you can't defy time forever pushing 45 years old Tom Brady. Uh, and then the other story, of course, is Cam Newton in New England with Belichick. And all it's, it's a, a love fest. I have never seen Belichick so effusive about a quarterback, mm. including Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. The way he talks right. about Cam Newton yeah. goes on and on and on. I just think he's doing that for effect. He, there is clearly still a Brady versus Belichick angle here that we're all going to be watching to see if Cam Newton can stay healthy in New England uh, while that thing apparently is going south. But it, was it more about Belichick or more about Brady? In indirect ways, Dino, you know, we're going to find out this season. You know, We're all going to be watching who goes farther if we get to the playoffs. Mariotti, you hear him here every Wednesday, uh, hour number two. You read him at Barrett Sports Media. Jay, another great segment, and uh, looking forward to next week already. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy next the first week. Will be wild. Yeah, it'll be good. We'll, Thanks, we'll talk then. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jay Mariotti.